Welcome back to The Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Right now, we're working our way through the book of Galatians, as you know if you've been with us, and we've made it up to chapter 5. We're looking at chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, which is a well-known section of the book of Galatians that deals with the works of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit. We've been kind of taking this one step at a time, and today we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. But I'm going to read all of it so that we have this kind of whole flow of Paul's argument in mind here as we dive into this incredible section. So let me pray for us, and then I'll read chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, and offer a few thoughts. Father, we thank you for your word once again. We thank you for your Spirit who puts to death in us our flesh, we thank you that the way to righteousness, the way to, to walking in the path that we are called to is not by abusing ourselves with the law, but by walking in your spirit who produces great things in us. We ask, Father, that you would give us wisdom to do that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. As we have said before, looking at this section, Paul is here contrasting life in the flesh and life in the Spirit. He's setting up the reality that, that these two things are opposed to each other, our flesh and the Holy Spirit, as he says earlier, to keep us to, from doing the things that we want to do. And he outlines two ways of life. Life in the flesh produces all of these vile things that he lists in verses 19, 20, and 21. And then there's life in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, who produces in us these great things that we read in verses 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's quite a contrast between these two lists, the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, contrasted with what the Spirit produces in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One of the contrasts that it's helpful for us to see is that when we look at the works of the flesh, we can categorize them all really at some level as self-worship. They are all fixated on us satisfying us, on us satisfying our flesh, on us looking out for number one, getting what we want. 
making sure that we are satisfied. But the fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, you'll notice is all directed outward. It, it all necessarily requires somebody else to whom these things are directed. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In fact, they're, they're all directed outward, either with God in mind or other people in mind, except for really this last one, self-control, which is directed inward, but is designed at controlling our flesh. And, and so there's a, a contrast there in how these fruits versus these works are produced, or what they yield, what they're directed at. On the other hand, there's a contrast between kind of just the nature of them. The works of, of the flesh are all just things we do, but the fruit of the Spirit all kind of defined at our core who we are. Now, the works of the flesh imply who we are, as Paul has already pointed out. If we do those things, we'll not inherit the kingdom of God. It says something about who we are before him, but the fruit of the Spirit implies something about what we have been made to be. The other thing that's happening here as we look at the fruit of the Spirit is we're reminded, because Paul's already said, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, and Paul preaches such a gospel of grace that people are inclined to say, oh, well, if you preach that much grace, people are just going to sin. They're, they're going to take their freedom and run with it. If it's really all about Jesus and there's no law that's involved, then you're giving people permission to do whatever they want to live in sin. But then when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, and we see that Paul adds to the end of it, this last clause, against such things there is no law, he's reminding his detractors that no, in fact, if you are led by the Spirit, if the Spirit of Christ is at work in you, producing a faith in you, applying to you the, the benefits of the redemption purchased for us by Christ, regenerating you, if the Spirit of God is at work in you, what he's going to produce in you is not lawlessness, but a fruit against which there is no law. Would you really take issue, Paul is in one sense saying, with those whose lives are characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Well, no is the answer. Paul is, is reminding us in this way by telling us what the Spirit produces in us that this gospel of grace is not actually permission to sin. And it's not permission to sin because it's a gospel of grace through and through. It's not something we come up with on our own. It's not something we apply on our own. It is something that the Spirit is doing. And this is how the Spirit works. This is what the Spirit produces in us. So this idea that a gospel of grace leads to sin, this fear of freedom in Christ, can be put to death. Because that's simply not what the Spirit produces in us. Paul bolsters this point with verse 24 saying, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Back in verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Again and again, he's reminding us that this freedom that we have isn't 
excuse to sin. And here he's reminding us that to belong to Jesus means that you have, in fact, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, this is not the only place that he gets into this idea. If we go back to Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, this is what we read. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never rise again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Or if we skip over to chapter 8 of Romans, beginning in verse 12, we read this, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We look back at Galatians, chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, we read this, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Or again, chapter 6 of Galatians, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, Paul's understanding of this gospel of grace is not simply it's something that we just claim and has no impact on our lives. No, 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 not at all. We are justified, to be sure, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as revealed in Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone, 100%. If we add any works to it for our justification, then we lose the whole thing. It is no longer by grace. It is no longer through faith. It is no longer in Christ. But it's by our works through the law in ourselves. And that's not what Paul has taught. However, what he also teaches consistently is that this gospel of grace applied to us by the Spirit who works faith in us is necessarily transformative. It's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. It changes who we are. It changes how we need to think about ourselves. This is why in Romans 6 verse 11, he says, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is why he says the Spirit is at work producing these things in us. This is what he means when he says we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Is our flesh still at work to try to keep us from doing the things we want to do? Yes, but is it the authoritative controlling principle in the life of the Christian? No. 
Why? Because it's been crucified. It may scream out from the cross, but it has been crucified. It has no real power over us because, in fact, it is screaming out from the cross. But the Spirit of Christ cries out to us from the resurrection. And that's where we find our hope. He is the one who leads us in righteousness. He is the one by whom we are transformed, who sets our eyes on Christ, that we may in fact be transformed from one glory to another. He is the one who produces this fruit in us. Might we learn more and more to walk in him. Amen. Thank you.